<clears throat> it hurts all over. Blood is pouring off of his face. He can't even see because of the sweat, the blood. His eyes are swollen shut. His knees, his legs, they're throbbing, they're scraped up. His head is pounding. There's ringing in his ears. He's not even sure if he can stand up. This almost happened not that long ago. Previously, he had been warned and, and was able to wisely kind of move on, and, but this time, he wasn't able to avoid it at all. It happened so fast. Man, was this the way it was going to be every time? In every town, was this is how this was all going to look? I mean, this is starting to feel more like a pattern rather than an exception. Is this how he was going to be treated? An easy question for anybody to ask is, man, how can you keep going? If this is the way it's going to be, why don't you just stop? Why don't you just quit if this was what was going to be in store for you? And, you know, this is kind of somewhat describes what Paul, what we see happening to Paul in this chapter. He gets stoned and he's just laying there bloodied, beaten up. And that would be the question that we would just think is, man, how can you keep going? I mean, today when we, we, we get hardship or we have suffering, I think a lot of times we, answer, we ask the question, why? Why is this happening? And that's, that's a fair question. That's a fine question. But even if you get the answer... Does that really change much for you? If you know why something bad is happening, guess what? It's still happening. But I think a kind of a better question for us is not just always why, because we, again, we know that bad things are going to happen. We're all going to face hardships. I think the question that for us today is, man, how? How do we keep going? How do we persevere? How do we endure these hardships that we face? And that's what we see, that what, what, you have an example for us in Paul today of how do we keep going? How do we persevere when we're faced with really hard things? So if you've got a Bible, open up to Acts chapter 14. Acts is in the New Testament, pretty far to the right. All right, Acts 14. And, and Paul and Barnabas, they were sent out by their, their church in Antioch, which is uh, above Jerusalem. They're sent out there, and this is their first missionary journey. And this journey, that they go to Cyprus, that's an island, then they kind of go to modern-day Turkey in the area of Galatia. This is about a one- or two-year journey. I mean, we kind of read through it in a few chapters, and it feels pretty quick. But again, this has taken them about a year or two. Uh, 14, chapter, or verse 1, in Iconium, they entered the Jewish synagogue. As usual, okay, so this is what they normally do. And they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. And so they pop into the city, they go to the synagogue, and they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching Christ. We get an example of this in chapter 13. But here's what they're not doing. They're not speaking out against the government. Right? They're, not, they're not telling them, hey, here's what will just totally help you, and here's how you can have a better version of yourself. No, they're preaching Christ. They're preaching the gospel. And then it says that Jews and Greeks believe. So the gospel is for all kinds of people. Whatever your background, wherever you're coming from, they're preaching to these people and people come to believe. Verse 2, but the unbelieving Jews, so these ones that don't believe in Christ, they stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So there's some people, they don't like what's going on. 
And their job, at least they take it upon themselves, hey, let's poison people's minds. Let's cause division. Let's cause some dissension. And and we get a clear picture of what kind of uh, poisoning they're doing when we look in chapter 15. But what they're basically saying is, hey, if you really want to come to Jesus, you need to do something first. Because you really can't, you can't just believe and be saved. You need to do something. There's some hoops you need to jump through. Then you'll be acceptable to God. Then you'll be okay to, to enter the kingdom of, of heaven. And, and they're, they're basically making it about, um, about work. Say, hey, if you first do this, if you first do that. And uh, Paul, it's probably during this time, his first missionary journey, that he writes the, the book, the letter to the Galatians. Uh, and it's in this area that he's at. It's in the area of Galatia. And, and he tells them, hey, but it's not by works of the law. It's by nothing that you can do that you're made right with God. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to make yourself declared not guilty and make yourself innocent before God to have this relationship with God. It's not about you being a good person. By no works of the law, but it's by faith. It's by Christ that you're declared righteous before him. And, and we can kind of read these chapters And we could think, or even the next chapter in 15, and man, yeah, that's so silly that they're telling them that they first need to be become Jew or that they need to be circumcised. That's ridiculous. But if you're, I mean, but think about it. Are there certain people in your life or in society that you think, hmm, I don't know. I don't really know if the gospel's for them. Hey, maybe they first need to change something about them before. Jesus can save them totally by his, by his doing and by His grace. Are there some people that you think that about? Oh man, hey, man, that, what about that person that's a Muslim? Oh gosh, I don't know. They really need to change first, then maybe they can be saved. Hey, what about that person that has a different sexual orientation? Oh man, I don't know. I don't even know. They really need to change everything about their lifestyle. Then God can pour out his grace on them. Hey man, what about this person? They like the Iowa Hawkeyes. They definitely have to change. Right? That one we could probably all agree on. But they're, they're to, you know, they're, they're, what everybody would agree with us about vaccines or COVID or masks or this political party. But what do Paul and Barnabas do? Amidst all of this poisoning against them, amidst all of this division. Look at verse 3. So they stayed there a long time and spoke boldly for the Lord who testified to the message of His grace by enabling them to do signs and wonders. And so, all this division, all of this stuff is happening, but Paul and Barnabas stay. They stay there and they stay there to tell them of God's grace. They're telling them of the gospel. And what they're doing here is they're saying, hey, we need to make sure that we build a strong foundation here. We need to make sure that the foundation is secure. And it's not on this. It's not on that. It's on Jesus. On what the scriptures have revealed to us about Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that saves. And so, uh, yeah, just a takeaway there is they're, they're working to build the correct foundation on Jesus and they stay there in face of, of all this opposition, of all this division that's going up. Verse 5, when an attempt was made by both the Jews and Gentiles, all these people that are kind of now uh, riled up, and the, um, 
with the Jews and others, with the apostles, or wait, sorry, I missed it, with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them. So because of all this division, they're like, hey, let's stone them. Not, not like Colorado style, not let's go to Boulder style. It's like, hey, let's get, let's get some rocks. Let's do this thing. And uh, so they find out about it, verse 6, and they fled. And this is not because they're scared, but it's just a wise thing. Hey, we've preached the gospel. We, there was some division. We stayed here. And hey, now, now it's probably, you know what? I don't know if we're going to be that effective right now for ministry. And so they, um, they, they go uh, to the Lyconian towns of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding countryside. Verse 7, there they continued preaching the gospel. And um, so uh, then verse 8. In, so now they're in this new town. They're in Lystra. Uh, in Lystra, um, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet. So he's crippled. He had never walked, and he had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking, after looking at him directly and seeing that he had faith, Paul said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And the guy who was crippled, he jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Paul, Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. In verse 13, the priest uh, of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and the reese to the gates because he intended with the crowds, with the people, to offer sacrifices to them. And so they go to this town, Lystra. This is actually where um, Timothy, uh, a future pastor, is from. He's from this town. And the Holy Spirit gives Paul this ability. I mean, I don't even know what this looks like, but he's able to see that this, this other guy, this crippled guy, has faith, and he just speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's healed. And then the crowd sees this, and they're like, wow, man, Zeus, Hermes, you know, the, to their Greek gods, that's who they think that they are. And, and then they're, they're, they're kind of getting everybody super excited and they're going to offer sacrifices to them. Now, this seems pretty weird to us, but there's this, this fable, a legend in the town. And if you can imagine that, that people, parents would be telling their kids this story, a mom would be brushing her daughter's hair at night. They're, put, they're tucking their kids at night and they're telling them, hey, here's the story of how we got our temple. And the, the, the fable is that Zeus and Hermes, these, these Greek gods, they came down and they disguised themselves as travelers and they needed a place to stay. They didn't have any food. They didn't have anywhere to go. And they kept going to all these different houses and people kept turning them away. And eventually they get to the edge of town and they come to this house, kind of a poorer house, and the people let them in. And they give them a place to stay. They feed them everything. And the next morning... Zeus and Hermes reveal themselves to be gods, and, and then they, they bless this couple, and, and they make their house into a house of gold, and this, this house eventually becomes the temple there in the town, and it's made out of gold and everything like that, and then they go back to all the people that rejected them, and they, they either um, you know, destroy, kind of destroy the town with a flood, or they turn them into frogs, That's, there's a little bit of difference there, um, but this is what all the people have known. Oh gosh, you remember long, long time ago, before we had the temple, Zeus and Hermes came down and people weren't hospitable to them. We need to make sure that if ever they return, we're very hospitable to them. And so because they know the story, they see the miracle of this guy being healed. And so, hey, we need to make sure that we welcome them in. And so they want to offer them sacrifices. 
But this is how Paul and Barnabas react to this. Look at verse 14. The apostles Barnabas and Paul, they tore their robes. I mean, this is a sign of huge grief. Uh, They tore their robes when they heard of this, and they rushed into the crowd. People, why are you doing these things? So so Paul and Barnabas, they're not having any of it. Hey, you want to offer us sacrifices? No, 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 time out, time out. No, this is not what's going on. Now, I will admit, if I was Paul, I would probably, a lot of things would be going through my mind. I would think, wait a minute, you remember that last town that we were in, and all the people, they got in there, and they caused division, and then they wanted to throw rocks at us, and then we had to leave? This ain't bad. Hmm. I don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but this is a lot better than the last town. You know what? Why don't we just give it a day? Why don't we just, you know what? This seems like this is going to go to a cool party. I like to party. Let's just, you know what? Let's just play this thing out for a little bit. Nice change of pace. But Paul and Barnabas, they, they stomp this out right away. And I just think, why didn't they give in? Why didn't they give in to the comfort to, and, they, and just take the praise? Here's, here's the thing. They had the right foundation. They had the right foundation. The foundation of their life was not the approval of others. Because if that was the case, if the, the approval of others was the foundation of their life, this trip is already done. They're not chasing results. They're not chasing comfort. They're not chasing happiness. But they know what the work that God has set them apart to do, and that's what they're running after. They're running after what God has told them to do. They're running after who they are in Christ. Their foundation is what Jesus has done for them. And today, we don't offer sacrifices necessarily to pastors or to people in ministry, but we love to make them celebrities, don't we? Boy, we love to lift them up. Put them up on these pedestals, And we can become just like Israel in the Old Testament. Oh, hey God, I know that you're really, you're our king, but give us a different one. Give us a king like the nations. Somebody here to just praise. Give us our great holy man. And sure, we should should respect godly leadership, but we can think sometimes that a Christian leader is something more than they really are. That they are these kind of great holy men. And I will admit, sometimes I feel this. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I'm kind of dorky. If you're like, yes, understatement. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a dork. I, I like, I'm goofy. And sometimes I look around at these other pastors that are out there. And sometimes I feel, maybe I should be more like that. Maybe I should act really smart like Timothy Keller. Maybe maybe I should be less goofy like these other people that I see out there that have these jumbo churches because I don't see goofy guy with with all of this acclaim and celebrity status. Maybe I should promote myself in a different way. And there's this pull because that's what people praise. That's what people lift up. This big name, these awesome speakers, they draw the crowds, and that seems to be working. But what about goofy guy who likes Star Wars? And I'm sure that you've seen over the past 
maybe even a couple weeks, maybe the past years, a lot of Christian pastors, a lot of Christian leaders fall. And they've gotten into some really bad things, some awful things, and they've exploited people. And then at the same time, you know, we could wonder, how could they ever do that? Don't they know better? And then at the same time, we see either their, their, their church or their ministry group almost allow it and enable it. And we wonder, how could they do that? How could, the, how could that person do that? But then how can the, the collective people do that? And here's the answer. Wrong foundation. They started off with the wrong foundation, and if you have a wrong foundation, that will determine your future. It shouldn't even come to us as a surprise eventually. If you have the wrong foundation, it's bound to fall. Because if you're building your, your, the foundation of your ministry, of your world, off of what you want, or off of a celebrity pastor, it's going to come crumbling down. And, and even for us today, this... City Light South is not built off of me and Alex. It's not built off of our staff. It's not even built off of the City Light way. It's not often built off of any great holy man except we already have our great holy man in Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. He is the one that we're always looking to. We're not building it off of success. We're not building it off of results. And I think that that's what a lot of places do. It's like, well, man, if, we, if this came to light, what would happen to the ministry? The damage has already been done to your ministry because you've departed from Jesus Christ and basing everything off of him. He's our savior, not that guy. Not the results, not the crowds. We're looking to him. He's the only person that, that we're building it off of. Him, His Word, and I get it. The, the culture doesn't always agree with the Word of God. Doesn't always agree with who Jesus Christ is. But we're not chasing popularity. We're not chasing people to just like us. We're chasing Jesus. What He said in His Word. And so, Paul and Barnabas, they reject this party. They reject this praise. And they say in, in verse 15, People, why are you doing this? We are also, we're people also, just like you. Hey, we're just human. Now, that doesn't excuse godly leadership um, you know, and, and just allowing sin, but they're saying, hey, we're, we're, we're nothing that great, but we're proclaiming a good news to you that you turn from these worthless things. And right there, I want you to circle, underline, highlight that. Worthless things. And by the way, when I tell you to do that, that's because I'm trying to coach you and help you to get in your Bible and not just listen to me, but look in your Bible. All right? So that's like a cue. If you don't have your Bible open, get it open and circle, underline, highlight that. Right? It's not me. It's the Word of God here. So circle, underline, highlight. Worthless things. Turn from those worthless things, but turn to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. I mean, now, notice here that, that Paul and Barnabas, they're sharing the gospel with these people, but it looks differently than chapter 13. Chapter 13, it's to Jews, and they talk about sin. They talk about the law. Here, they don't talk about those things. He, he, and he, he's preaching to these Gentiles. 
And I just want you to notice here that, that what Paul is doing, he's going after the foundation of their lives. He's going after, after what their, their base level in this. But he doesn't say, hey, you sinners. That's not where he starts. Hey, do you know what the Bible says? Doesn't say that either. Because these are people, that, these people are, 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 this is a very pluralistic society. They have tons of gods. And, and, and how they thought about all of the, all, their, their kind of their religious system was, hey, there's really no one God. We all have different gods, you, and, and you, you pick a god basically based off of who you are. Hey, if you're a soldier, you worship the god of war. If you're a farmer, you worship the god of rain or sun or agriculture. And in and, and, and all of this, and what the thing is that you don't do in that society is you don't say that your god is better than all the other gods. It's just like, whatever works for you, works for you. But it's totally different today, right? And, and, and so... He, he's, he's talking to them at this, this level. And he's saying, hey, in this, what you're worshiping is worthless. What you're making your life about, it's really not that big of a deal. All of these gods that you pursue, they promise things and they don't deliver. They're, they're, I, want, I want you to turn to the real God who created everything, who created all these things, because, hey, you're looking to these gods who were actually created. Now I'm telling you that there's actually just one God who's made everything, who's over all of everything in this world. Turn to him. And then he says, um, and to the living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, saying, like, he didn't force himself on you. He let you go. Although he did not leave himself without witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Hey, see, you know what your God, you know how your God operates? Your God operates that if you kind of jump through all these hoops, you offer the right sacrifices, then your God will maybe pay you attention. And maybe he'll kind of throw you a bone and give you, do you a little something for you. But no, not the true God. Man, actually, the true God who's created everything, he, when you didn't even acknowledge him, he gave you the rain. He gave you fruitful seasons. And actually, all the joy, any of the joy that you have in your heart, that came from him when you didn't even know about him. That's my God. Because, see, you keep pursuing all of these worthless idols, trying to get something from them that they're never going to give you. But my God is actually a generous God who gave you something when you didn't even ask for it. And for us today, we, your, your neighbor or your coworker, maybe even you, not everybody is feeling, man, I have a sin problem. Man, I wonder what the Bible says problem. But here is something that a lot, pretty much everybody could think. Hey, you are basing your life off of something. You are living for something. You're, you're ultimately worshiping something, even if it's yourself. But maybe it's success, Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's some sort of relationship. What is it that you're making your life about? How's that working out for you? Do you find, do you find yourself just having more joy, more peace when you make your life about yourself? Hey, what about your career? How's that working out for you if you keep chasing that? Does it always work out the way you want? And even when it does work out the way you want, do you suddenly feel fulfilled in life? 
hey, what if there's actually something, someone who's different than that, who actually is supremely valuable? Because whatever it is that you're chasing, whatever it is that you're basing your life of, ultimately, it's not worth that much. Because I think that there's going to be a lot of people that when they get older, they're going to look back at their life and they're going to be like, man, I was living for a lot of worthless things. I don't know if anybody's going to get to the end of their life and, man, and say, man, I wish I had spent so much more time chasing my career. I don't know if anybody's going to get to the end of their life and be like, man, I wish I would have chased so many more likes on Instagram or Facebook. That, man, my life would have been so much better. But we chase them, don't we? And Paul's saying, hey, what if you turn from those worthless things that you're basing your life on? And what if you turn to the living God, to the real God, the one who has made everything, the one who has actually given to you, sacrificed himself for you when you've given nothing to him? And if you don't know Christ today, I just ask you a question, what are you basing your life on? Is it, is it something that's basically worthless? It's not really worth that much. It's not really that meaningful. And today could be the day where it's like, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to turn to the living God. I'm not going to turn to my happiness. I'm not going to turn to my career. I'm not going to turn to my comfort because all of those things are fleeting. But I'm going to turn to the eternal God who's made everything. The one who's given himself for me. Even when I didn't acknowledge him, even when I didn't believe him, he sent his son Jesus to die and pay the ultimate price for me so that I might enjoy him, so that I might know him, and I can turn away from just kind of temporary happiness to an eternal love in Jesus. And I encourage you to turn to Christ. And so he, he's the one that's living for it. And Paul here, he goes after not just sin, but he goes after this foundation of what they're thinking to show, show them the good news. And then, so he um, says this to him, and then verse 18, even though he said these things, even though it was great, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. They still want to offer them these, these sacrifices. Verse 19, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. So just where they were, now these people are following them around. You'd think that they'd have something better to do, but they don't. And when they won the crowds over, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. This is why it's pointless to live for the approval of people. I mean, I mean this is a big swing. I mean, one moment it is, you're gods. Yeah, here's sacrifices. Let's do this. Wham! I mean, you're like, whoa, mood swing. This is crazy. And, and it's just a worthless idol to think about that, but, but we do it. We're, we so care about people's approval. We spend too much time trying to impress people. We spend too little time trying to be vulnerable with one another to just share our stuff as if somehow somebody's opinion is going to change our lives. And just like that, just like Paul said, it's a worthless idol. And so we see this big swing and it happens really fast. They don't talk to the Roman authorities that, give the, that they have the, the authority to determine if somebody's going to be put to death. They just do this really quick. They stone them and they drag them out of the city and they leave them for dead. Now, here's something that you could say happened to Paul. You could say that in this case, Paul got rocked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, some of you are probably a little slow and need some coffee. And, gosh, or maybe, maybe it's like, well, that wasn't really funny, Ricky. All right, thanks for note for next one. Um, so, um, verse 21, or verse 20. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went to the town the next day 
or the next day he left uh, with Barnabas for Derby. After they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch. So Paul is alive. Apparently the people in Lystra really aren't that good at sports. They don't have very good arms, and they leave him for dead. And then Paul goes, and after he gets up, he goes back into town and continues to preach the gospel and strengthen the disciples. Now here's a question. What would you do if, in this case? I think I would know what I would do. I mean, first, if this is happening to me and people are throwing rocks at me, I'm going to be like, I'm going to throw one back. Take that. Wham. I'm going to get one of you guys. And, and, or, or if I was Paul, I would think, hey, wait a minute. Is this another filled with the spirit moment? Hey, instead of get up and walk, I'd be like, you lame. Sit down. Bam. That'd be, I mean, boom. That'd be a fun. But Paul doesn't do that because that's not what Jesus does when, when people are persecuting Christ. But Paul gets up and he returns to the cities, even the ones that he's got rocked in, the ones that he almost died in, and he preaches the gospel and he he strengthens the disciples there. And so here's this question that we're going to come back to. How can Paul keep going in this? How can Paul keep going in this? He almost got stoned in one place. Everybody's causing this division. He just got left for dead after being pelted with rocks. Because if I'm laying there and I'm bloodied, And I just got done loving these people. I just got done sharing the gospel with these people. Hey, I just got done actually not taking the easy way out and taking the praise, taking the glory. I just didn't do that, but I pointed it to Jesus. I think if this was me and I'm I'm laying there left for dead, I think I'm like, this is a wrap. Check, please. Time to go home. Roll the credits. Movie's over. But Paul persevered. So how did he do that? How do we persevere in our lives? How do we keep going? How do we keep following Christ when it's probably, excuse me, just going to get harder and harder? If you think Christianity is going to suddenly get easier, I I really doubt it. So how do we keep following Jesus when it's hard? When we face hardships, how do we keep going? You know, when I was a little kid, I think there's a picture of it because I don't even know if they make them really anymore. But when I was a little kid, there were these punching dummies, and they're just filled with air. Wait, did you have the one with the clown? Because everybody likes to punch a clown. Yeah, clowns are evil. Um, and there's these punching dummies, and they're just filled with air, and you just go up to them, and pow, 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 and that thing would just go down, and it just pop back up, and pow, pow. I mean, it didn't matter how hard you hit it. You know what happened every time? That thing would pop back up. Boom, boom, boom. Boink. Right back up. And, and it would pop back up, not because it's really strong. I mean, it's just filled with air. It's just air and plastic. That's it. How does it pop back up? We've been talking about it all morning. Come on, people. Foundation. Right? Because of the foundation, it's able to pop back up. That's why it's able to get back up. And your foundation will determine your future. Whatever your foundation is, that will determine your future. Because everything else is resting on that. And so that's how Paul was able to keep going because of his foundation. So how do we build this right foundation? How how can we have this foundation that we can stand on? Three things. First, know your foundation. Now, when I say, hey, build on, you know, know your foundation, you're like, yep, Jesus, God, that's what it is. And it's easy to say that. 
But just think of how our world, or even maybe you, and I'm not meaning to slam you, it's just reality, and I've had these moments too. How do you react when hardship and suffering comes? Because the culture that we live in today does not handle it very well. I mean, maybe more than any culture in human history. And here's why. Because we have said that the point of life is our own happiness. We've said that it's our own comfort. And you know what place suffering has in that kind of you know, worldview? No place. Why do I need to experience suffering? Because why? The goal is just for me to enjoy life, for me to be happy. And all suffering or hardship is, is just an obstacle. It's just something, it's just, it, it takes no place. It has no meaning. And so you need to know what your foundation is. Is it really your own happiness? Is it your, really your own world? Your own comfort? But we, we know hardships will come. Verse 22, he says, strengthening the disciples. So he strengthened them by encouraging them to continue in their faith and telling them it is necessary that you're going to go through hardships to be a part of the kingdom. That doesn't mean that, that you have to endure and suffer to go to heaven because Paul's made it so clear it's only because of what Christ has done. But he's just saying, hey, if you are going to follow Jesus, it means that some thing, the road's going to get bumpy sooner or later. You're going to have some troubles. So know your foundation. Here's, here's the thing. Know that your foundation is, what, is, in, is in what God is doing in you. Know that your foundation is that in troubles, it's what God is doing in you. Hardship has a purpose. Pain has a purpose. God uses hardship to shape you, to change who you are. They can reveal your idols. They can reveal how you have such greater love for other things and such a puny love for God. This is what 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 16 says. It says, therefore, do not lose heart. I know things are tough, but don't lose heart. Though outwardly, though our circumstances, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. So we know that God uses hardship <clears throat> to make us more like him. Know that your foundation is what God is doing through you. God is doing these things through you. So even in all of these things that Paul is facing, God is still using him as a witness to the people around him. And as we <clears throat> have our foundation in Christ, and as we continue to him, that is a light to the world. Wait a minute. Everything is crazy around you. How do you have this kind of peace? Not that It's still hard, and you still don't like it, but how do you have this kind of peace? It's a light to the world. Know that God is doing something through you. This is what 2 Corinthians 4.15, we're kind of, um, it says, all of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So know what God is, your foundation is what God is doing in you, what God is doing through you. And lastly, God, know that your foundation is what God will do. This is what 2 Corinthians 4, 14, 17, and 18 says. Because, be, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. For our light and momentary troubles, even though they're real, even though we don't like them, but they are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not what is seen, not one on, on our momentary troubles, not on our circumstances. We don't fix our eyes there, but we fix our eyes on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen, the glory that is in Christ, the glory that is to be revealed with us, that's eternal. So we know that Christ will come back, that he will reward us, and that he will raise us up with him. And so the first thing is know your foundation. 
Second thing, focus on your foundation. This year's been crazy, right? I mean, I feel like 2020 was pretty, pretty rough, and 2021's like, here, hold my beer. You know, it's just like crazy. <clears throat> that wasn't those. But it's just, and, and, and this is, it's, it's so hard to, to, it's so easy, should I say, to focus on all of this junk that is out there. There's just so much of it. And I'm not saying that we stick our heads in the sand and just ignore it. But look at verse 27. When Paul gets back to his sending church, after they arrived and gathered the church together, they reported everything God had done. Now, if I'm getting back, I'm like, man, this trip stunk. Let's, let's figure out a different hotel option next time. But they're reporting, they're not focused on the hardships that they face. They're focused on what God is doing. That's what they're looking at. And, it's, and so if you want to build a, str- a strong foundation life, focus on the actual foundation that you have. Lastly is this. Be in community to, to help others build that foundation. Look at verse 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they had won the crowds over, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city thinking he's dead. So they're leaving him for dead. Circle, underline, highlight this. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up. He's left for dead. What changes between him being left for dead and him getting up? People gathered around him. And if you want to have a strong foundation in your life, get around other people. Get in community. That's not something that we just kind of toss out there because we want you to be involved in stuff because it's fun. It's because we need each other. God said in Genesis, man, it's not good for people to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. Get in community because the difference between whether you are left for dead and the difference between you getting up is because of maybe who's around you. Because of the community that is around you. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, And let us consider how we might spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another every day, even more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And some of you have gotten into the habit of not meeting together. Some of you have gotten into the habit of, of not being in community. And I, I just want to say, I get it. I get it, man. It's tough. It takes time. It takes commitment. There are some days, even when City Group is at my house, I'm like, Ugh, this wouldn't be bad if, oh, 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 sick. <laughs> I get it. But, but we need it. And, and that's good news, guys. Because it's not based on just how strong and awesome you are. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have everything together. But man, there's people around me that can encourage me, that can help me. I can encourage them. And so get into community. Get in a city group. Get into huddle. None of us can do this alone. And so in all of this, we, we look to our foundation who is in Christ. Not because it's based off of how strong we are or how well we can endure. It's because Jesus has been strong for us always, even though we are weak. He is the one that endured for us. He endured the cross for us, paying the price for us so that we could continue on with him. He is with us always. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we thank you. 
Lord, that, that you are with us. God, we thank you that, that you are our strong foundation, that it's not based on us, but it is based on you. And so, Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we would just continue to look to you as our foundation. Or if we're not looking to you, Lord, help us to just turn from those worthless things, turn away from those, those things that really aren't that strong, that really aren't that eternal, Lord, and turn to you, God. Because you are the ultimate joy, the ultimate peace, the ultimate strength. We can only find it in you, God. We ask this in your name. Amen.